millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Welcome to Censored, the 2021 Pandemic Edition. I'm Aoife Vrednach, a historian with no access to lending or research libraries or archives. It's all very tedious, but if there's Christmas cake to eat and dirty books to read, it can't be all bad. Thank you for joining me as I begin season four of my smut odyssey through the Irish Censors Blacklist. It brings me great joy to think that someone somewhere is cleaning their bathroom while listening to me talk about sex. This episode features Madonna's nudie pick book, Sex, from 1992. I'm excited to talk about this because it's Madonna, and I remember when this book was published. There was a massive worldwide fuss over this. Ireland, South Africa, India and Japan formally banned the book. The story of sex really is a story of a global moral panic. As you'll hear now, the Irish censorship history was pretty fucking ludicrous, but the stink over the book in one American library district included terrorist threats and systematic intimidation. It's just wild. Today, the book is a valuable collector's item, costing up to 700 quid. I didn't buy it. My Patreon isn't that good. I got a semi-legal ebook version that was missing half the pages, so I scoured the internet for images and text from the book. Here I must apologise because I haven't read the entire book this time. Not that there's much reading of text anyway, it's mostly photographs. I couldn't think of a suitable drink to match the book. There is no booze or food mentioned in it at all. And I didn't feel like eating or drinking while reading it. In fact, it nearly put me off thinking about sex, so it's not a book to stimulate any appetites. For me, this is a cup of tea episode. Something warm, comforting and familiar. So fetch your brew and we'll begin. Firstly, the packaging. The book was spiral bound with aluminium covers. It was sold in a foil wrapper, which evoked condom wrappers, but also meant no one could steal a peek in the bookshop. A copy of Sex came with a CD single called Erotica, also packaged in condom-esque foil. Remember at this time that the AIDS epidemic was ongoing and Madonna had lost friends to it. She does urge condom use in the text as well. I'll admit, I didn't really enjoy this book. The opening photos are grimy, porn chic, only Madonna stands out like a sore thumb amongst the real people she recruited from the New York gay scene. 
It makes uncomfortable viewing, not because it's particularly explicit, but because it's kind of bad. I think the photos just don't work. They feel fake, contrived, and just wrong. Overall, the effect is kind of repellent. This is much harder to explain than when I read out the sex scenes, but I'm going to try. In one photograph of Madonna on her own, she's pictured wearing leather gear, a peekaboo bra, a thong, cuffs and a mask over her eyes. She's sucking the middle finger of one hand while her other hand is between her legs. You're supposed to think that she's fingering herself, but the photo doesn't actually show what her hand is doing. So it promises a lot more than it delivers. I mean, it's a bit meh. It's flat and sort of dead. In another photo, Madonna is wearing a mesh body leaning back against one woman, whose gender is apparent only if you look closely. Another gender-ambiguous person is in front of the pair. From commentary I've read elsewhere online, I believe this is also a woman. She is pointing or laying a knife against Madonna's genitals. At least, I think it's a knife. Anyway, it's not particularly hot or kinky or disturbing. It's just one big nothing. It doesn't look like anyone is enjoying the sex. Now, I know she's talking about S&M and power, and perhaps that would make it a lot less fun, but it still doesn't seem thrilling. It should be thrilling at the very least, shouldn't it? At the time, Madonna gave all sorts of explanations for this book, the most unlikely of which is that it was fun. I'm not convinced that anyone in the porn chic photos had fun. The photographs taken in Florida, where she's styled as a 50s movie icon, are definitely more light-hearted. I just think she didn't have a very strong artistic vision for this project. Maybe that's why it sucks so badly. Then there's the text. It's trash, really, and totally forgettable. The slogan for the book, and the accompanying single erotica, is I'll teach you how to fuck. No thanks, missus. You're grand. I'm sure in 1992, before online porn was everywhere, images of flesh and leather were disturbing to many people. But there was plenty of nude flesh in magazines and newspapers in 1992 Ireland. I don't think it was the nudity or even the simulated sex that got it banned. The censorship board was not that busy in the 80s and 90s compared to previous decades. Between 1986 and 1991, the board banned 56 books and 11 newspapers and magazines. That's a measly 13 bans a year. There is no way this reflected the volume of nudity in printed books or periodicals. For example, in 1991, the best-selling video in Ireland was The Lover's Guide, a sex guide that showed sex explicitly. I could do a whole episode on the fuss that this created, but it wasn't banned. So if the film censor didn't ban a sex video, why did the book censors ban a nudie pics book? And really, the only answer to this is Madonna. The enormous hype around the book made it a target for the censorious. Not only was she a global superstar, but the stage-managed secrecy around the publication of sex was very canny. Review copies were not sent out, so journalists could only read the book in the offices of Time Warner, Madonna's record label. After signing a confidentiality contract, the reviewer was allowed to peruse sex for one hour, but forbidden from taking notes. 
these self-important publicity tactics ensured everyone was dying to fucking read it when it was published worldwide on the 21st of October 1992. And the hype did work. By the 31st, Sex had sold a record 500,000 copies in the US. The global fuss over sex had interesting consequences in Ireland, where Madonna brought censorship back. Yes, you heard me right. Thanks to Madonna, the government appointed a new censorship board. Funnily enough, from November 1991 to October 1992, there was no censorship board in office. The country was wide open to filth. Boards served five years after being appointed by the Minister for Justice, and when that term of office expired, he just couldn't be arsed to replace them. This had happened before in the mid-80s, so it wasn't unusual. If you listen to my previous episode on Alex Comfort from Season 3, you'll see the same thing. But when the hype over sex gathered steam globally, the lack of a censorship board suddenly seemed important. And by the way, the only politician kicking up a stink about us having no censorship was a member of the most left-wing party in the Doyle. Everybody loves a bit of moral indignation, even politicians whose avowed principles include feminism and personal freedom. The minister, Podrick Flynn, quickly appointed a new board just as Madonna's book was published. Naturally, he denied she had anything to do with it, but I wouldn't believe this for a second. Even outside Ireland, the publicity about sex mobilised a response all out of proportion to its content. In London, as publication date approached, Scotland Yard was standing by, awaiting a complaint about obscenity. English censorship happened through the courts, so a book had to be seized and tried before it was banned. In the case of sex, the Director of Public Prosecutions examined it, but decided it was not obscene enough to be prosecuted in the courts. In France, a Catholic advocacy group called The Future of Culture filed lawsuits against Madonna and her publishers for corrupting French youths with porn. They petitioned the courts to have all the copies destroyed. They lost, but they did get lots of free publicity for their outrage. So Ireland wasn't the only country going a bit crackers because of this book. But in Dublin, the rumoured censorship affected supplies of the book at the very beginning. Wholesalers were reluctant to bring the book into the country in case it would be impounded. Bookshop owners in Dublin sourced their copies from across the border in Belfast. While in London a few hundred people queued in the rain to buy sex, nobody was that desperate in Belfast. One 18-year-old art student formed a one-man queue outside the Virgin Records store in order to be the first to buy the book. The manager of Virgin confirmed that he was happy to sell it, but it would be kept behind the counter in case under-18-year-olds got a look at it. And just to remember, it was in a peak-proof cover, so nobody could be led astray by a foil wrapping. This overreaction does show you the extent of conservatism in Belfast, even if the book was on sale there. Virgin sold out its 100 copies on day one, but other Belfast bookshops reported a slower trade. The week before publication, the Belfast Telegraph newspaper had asked the rhetorical question, Madonna, sex and porn. Will Ulster people buy it? And the answer was yes, but quietly and without attracting too much attention to themselves. In Ireland, thanks to P. Flynn's laziness, 
sex was on sale from the 21st of October. While the board did the paperwork, the book was sourced from Belfast, stocked and sold openly in Irish bookshops. I do remember seeing it in its shiny wrapper on the display table of a bookshop in Cork. Newspapers reported gleefully on its sales. Apparently, it sold poorly in Galway City on the first day. In Dublin City, one journalist looking for quotes couldn't find any customers in a bookshop, so he had to be satisfied with the staff. Shop assistant Yvonne Doyle from Bray apparently said this. Oh my God, look at that. That's degrading. I won't be able to eat my tea now. Classic stuff. Some bookshops were busy though. Eason's and Hughes both sold a 100 copies by closing time. According to staff, only Princess Diana's biography had sold this well. But there were no dramatic protests or long queues. You can sense that the newspapers were hoping for more entertaining copy. When the book was actually banned on the 21st of November 1992, the public reaction was non-existent. Anyone who really wanted it had bought it by then. Booksellers felt that the demand was already satisfied, describing it as a nine-day wonder. It's so odd to chart the release of a book through all this media hype, only for it to just vanish. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. And sex did receive a lot of attention from serious newspapers, in serious book reviews. The Irish Times asked John Banville, a novelist who cites W.B. Yeats and Henry James as his greatest influences, to review it. You won't be surprised to hear that he didn't like the book. Unfortunately, he also took the opportunity to make ugly misogynistic remarks about Madonna. This is a particularly egregious quote. She is a street corner kid, the worst girl in class, the one who does unspeakable things with boys behind the bicycle shed and laughs about it afterwards. Ugh, fuck off, John. That's shitty. 
Banville wasn't the only male literary giant to use this book to parade his sexism. Martin Amos wrote a review with this unforgettable tagline in The Observer. Quote, Out of aroused interest and fellow feeling, Martin Amos hopped to Concord to New York to review Madonna's new book. Unquote. Surely the wankiest tagline ever written. He then tells us he hasn't fancied her since 1986. Like, so fucking what, Martin? These reviews doubly annoy me, because I agree with them that it is a terrible book. But they could have said that without resorting to vile sexism. Amos almost had something when he said he found it disquieting because of its, quote, hostile iteration, its latent anger and impatience, above all, perhaps, and to this I will return, by its palpable otherness. Unfortunately, he didn't return to this point. Maybe it would have meant a little more introspection than he was up for. I think the otherness that he's talking about could be the queer elements in the book that are making him uncomfortable. The thing about these nasty reviews is that Madonna was already an object of serious critical inquiry elsewhere. The year after she published Sex, an academic book exploring her impact was published. It was called The Madonna Connection. And it included chapters like The Sapphic Insurgent, Madonna and Gay Culture, and A Sacred Monster in Her Prime, Audience Construction of Madonna as Low Other. I would read the fucking hell out of this book. Pity it's 92 euros or something. People were debating whether Madonna was a challenge to mainstream ideas about sex and gender, or merely appropriating subcultures for her own ends. So if newspapers in the 90s wanted to commission intellectual responses to sex, I think they could have. But predictably, they got old lads to slag her off instead. As someone who grew up with Madonna's music, I have a different take on her shock tactics. As 10-year-olds, we didn't know why Madonna's songs were controversial, though we knew she was dangerous. I remember trying to figure out her 1986 hit, Papa Don't Preach, a song about unmarried pregnancy. The line, I'm going to keep my baby, was confusing to me because I heard it as a declaration of her right to raise a baby on her own outside marriage. For me at the time, that was pretty unthinkable. I didn't know any family with this structure. All the mammies were married. In 1980s Ireland, single mothers didn't always keep their babies. A fair number of babies were still being adopted through institutions like mother and baby homes or adoption societies. I'm recording this episode just before the report on mother and baby homes comes out, so this is alarmingly current. Amos and Banville might see Madonna's controversies as cheap and tawdry, but I think it's an achievement to provoke thought in a short pop song. Now, I'm not saying that Madonna's lyrics helped reduce the shame felt by unmarried mothers in the 80s, any more than I'm saying it promoted the acceptance of lesbians in Irish society. But she was culturally important, and she deserves credit for that. And just one last story to show you how Madonna's music functioned for girls who came of age in the 80s and early 90s. For the final year party in my secondary school, when we were 17 or 18, we dressed up in formal wear and partied the night away. For the non-Irish people out there, this is called a Debs. There was a brief scandal when a small group of girls took to the stage and grabbed the mic. They proceeded to sing Like a Virgin, loudly and raucously, 
the way you do at a party. But here's the twist. One girl was heavily pregnant and the others had all had babies recently. All teenage, unmarried, school-going mothers who had kept their babies. Their performance was the biggest, most brazen fuck you I've ever seen. Madonna's music and her gift for upsetting people gave those ballsy girls a text to shame everyone in that room who had judged them. It was fucking amazing. So Madonna's power was real, even if not everyone understood it. If the Irish government's response to sex was a silly knee-jerk reaction that made little difference to anyone, the same could not be said of what happened in Monroe County, Michigan. Sylvia Turchin has written an extremely detailed piece on the trials of Monroe County Library Director Gordon Conable, and I'm telling you all to read it. I'll tweet the link, and it's in the show notes as well. Madonna's book was purchased for the library because it met their criteria. There were lots of pre-publication requests from users, and there was widespread media attention. So people were actually ringing up to ask could they read it. The backlash against the library's acquisition was swift and well-organised. It led to petitions and loud meetings where the First Amendment of the US Constitution was avidly debated. Library staff were doxxed at these meetings when flyers with their addresses were circulated. The library did not change its mind, and then there was a bomb scare in the main library building. The controversy that began in December 1992 rumbled on until July 1993. In the end, the protesters could not force the library to change and sex remained in the collection. That is, until the copies physically fell apart. It wasn't the most durable of publications. So it was literally read to bits. But the Conable family paid a high price for this success. They received death threats and felt so unsafe that they sold their farmhouse to move into the relative safety of town. Their five-year-old child was also included in the death threats. After a year of appalling stress, Conable tried to change his job, but for five years he wasn't offered a job anywhere else he applied to. He was blackballed by his own profession. This is all depressingly familiar now because we use the term culture wars all the time, but it had only just been introduced into mainstream language in 1991. The violent, toxic events in Monroe County show that culture wars do not need social media to exact a high price on participants. It's also interesting to compare Ireland and America in the 90s at this time. We can laugh at P. Flynn and the new censorship board in Ireland, But things in America were not so funny. And what did Madonna think of all this censorship strife? Gordon Conable tried to contact her, but she never responded. I'm pretty sure she didn't even notice Ireland's decision to ban her book. Later, she recalled how she had felt like the most hated woman in the world at this time. She clearly didn't deserve to be scapegoated the way she was over this book, but I can't help feeling she didn't do that badly out of it. And I'm going to wrap up now with the first censorship bingo of 2021. Beginning with breasts. Yes, I think there's boobs in nearly every photograph. Bestiality. A naked Madonna straddles an Alsatian in one image, so you gotta tick that. Sex work. No, I don't think so. Racism. 
Well, you could have an interesting debate about the representations of people of colour in the book, but I don't think you can legitimately tick that. Drugs. No, no drugs. Politics. Nothing explicit. Next up is swearing. Well, yes, she does write fuck, so we gotta tick that one. Infidelity. Obviously, marriage isn't part of the conversation in this book. Crime. No, I don't think so. Genitalia. Funnily enough, no. There are no visible genitalia. Which is really quite funny when you think about the moral panic associated with a book that they labelled porn. There's no genitalia on display at all. Abortion. No, definitely not. Orgies. Yes, indeed, there is an orgy. Apparently involving incest as well. Sexual assault. I think we can take that as one of the images suggests sexual assault, or at least brings it into the conversation. Extramarital pregnancy. No, definitely not. Masturbation. Well, obviously, yes. Sex toys. Yes, indeed. Feminism. I know some critics talk about it being postmodern feminism or whatever, but no, I don't think we can take that. Divorce. No, no marriage at all. Contraception. Well, since they mentioned condoms, yes. Menstruation. No, I don't think so. Blasphemy. I suppose the religious iconography that appears in some of the pictures could be blasphemous. But that was Madonna's style from very early on. I suppose we can tick that. Oral sex. Yes, simulated oral sex. Lots of it. Even though you can't see any genitals. Graphic violence. No, don't think so. Queer content. Well, yes, for certain. you got to tick that. And I do think that that was one of the reasons that people were made so uneasy by the text. So Madonna earns 11 out of 25 for her 1992 book Sex. It's not a super high score, I have to say. Lots of magazines and books at that time would have had similar scores. So I don't think the content is really relevant to why it was banned. In Ireland, this was censorship as performance or appeasement of a moral minority. And that's it for the mental story of sex. If you want more information, I do tweet on at CensoredPod, and there are extensive show notes for Patreon backers. I've even listed the members of the censorship board from 1992 if you really want to know who actually banned the book. Next time, I'm reading proper porn for the first time. But it's early 19th century Georgian porn, so I can still call it research. The Lustful Turk was first published in 1828, but it appeared on the Irish blacklist into the 1970s and 80s, which is pretty fucking unbelievable. It's a text with a long and fascinating backstory. So join me next week, when I will be talking about marble columns, magnificent instruments and delicious love sheaths. I know, it's going to be very silly. Till then, keep your hands clean and your minds filthy. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. 
They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.